0: Welcome
1: to the Expert
2: PK
0: and Newbie Podcast.
2: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Expert PK and Newbie Podcast, the podcast where each week we take a passage of the Bible, we read it with you, we read it together and we get the different perspectives of three different people. And hello to everyone that is listening on our Patreon version, you're hearing this early and uh, a day later for everyone else, as the for the general public. So hello to everyone that's uh, listening to it early, and hello to all those later. It's a bit it's a bit weird, but anyway, hi guys. Hi. Hello. Hello. <laughs> the
1: Patreon people are also listening to the extended version. They are because we are make sure these episodes are a nice tight one hour, even though it sometimes takes us longer to record it mm. than that. And
2: Patreon people get all of it. They get all of it. It it. Uh, I think the the first one it's an hour and a half. So. Depending on on how our discussion goes, the um the extended version could either go just a slightly longer than an hour, or go an hour and a half, or even longer, depending on how how much we chat. Mm. But um as always, we have with us Lochlan Miller, our expert Morgan Carter, our newbie, and myself, Joshua Lee, as the PK. Hi, hello, <laughs> hello again. Hello. <laughs> how are you all doing? I'm going well.
1: Yeah. I just had a lovely weekend where we celebrated the first birthday of my niece Mm. um, and then obviously church across the weekend. But our church has been in the middle of developments for a while, but our foyer is now open and operational and looking really good. And so we're starting to kind of see the payoff from Mm. all this time of being in building works, and that's really lovely to see.
2: Mm, that's exciting. It's always it's always a pain because of how long it takes for redevelopments and instruction to happen, but
1: that's good. Yeah, again, so the, we're almost there. We always have an operational building again.
2: Exciting. That's nice. How are you, Morgan?
0: Yeah, I'm good. Just had a, another busy week. I had family here from England and they've just gone home. I completed my mental health first aid, which was really cool this week at All work. Nice. Really interesting. Um, so just another busy week.
2: Yeah, just continue on chugging yeah. chugging along. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Josh? No, I'm doing. I'm doing well. Just came off a, another music video, so that was fun to fun to shoot. We're just uh, going around in a in a park and just sort of he just wanted to dance, so we just were just filming him dance. Nice. <laughs> um, and then lots of little bits and pieces, uh, such as life of just getting work and continuing the podcast to get done. But yeah, no, doing well. Life's good and keen to sort of get into this this third episode and continue on in the very first book, the book of Genesis. Mm. So Lachlan, what what chapters are we doing today? Today we're
1: going to start at the very beginning of chapter 4 of Genesis and read all the way until chapter 6 verse 8. Excellent.
0: Today's passage comes from the book of Genesis chapters 4, 5 and the first half of chapter 6. These chapters show mankind plunging further into sin, with Cain murdering his brother Abel. We then read about Cain's descendants who continue to sin greatly, causing God to lament over his creation of humanity. However, Adam and Eve have another son, Seth, and his descendants show us that not all hope is lost. So in our last episode, we saw the creation of Adam and Eve. We saw um, the first sin and we saw them kicked out of the Garden of Eden. Mm.
2: And now we move on to them having children and i always i i read i read this sort of before and i the sort of the, the first sentence sort of like struck me as interesting of like why like uh, the question of why include or why did de- like give us the details of now adam had sexual relations with his, with his wife eve like why do we need that details like they had kids like shouldn't we just assume that happened but my thought process, um, sort of, you know, the, the, the cogs sort of turned and like, Oh, but is this then now saying that humans are producing with each other and it's not of it's not God continuing to create to create humans like they like God created Adam and Eve. It's now sort of showing us by by, by saying that these two people had sexual relations and uh, you know, Eve fell pregnant, it's now saying, Well, Eve now can't like and Adam are now um, producing offspring and then they are going to produce offspring it's not God just creating everyone from dust and, and mm-hmm. everything anymore it's now it's now the humans doing
1: it yeah absolutely like they were told to be fruitful and multiply and here is the beginning of that um, if you think the first verse is weird in our English translations in the original Hebrew it says um, Adam knew his wife Eve. Like, just the word new, like K-N-E-W. And so <laughs> they, I think, intentionally leave it like a little vague of like the only real option there is sexual relations, which mm. is why our English translations use that. But the original Hebrew is like, yeah, he just kind of knew his wife. And oh, boom, there's a kid
2: there. Now. Wow. <laughs> How did that happen? <laughs> but I guess the point, like the, what we're saying is like the point, the point is it's now fulfilling the commandment of to go and populate the earth. Mm. And it's n- uh, it's not of... God's God's now populating the earth. It's the humans that are now populating the earth. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it says with the help of the Lord. So it still has the Lord in it mm. with the help of like mm. a blessing.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's a really good point, actually. Eve is instantly giving credit to God for what is now happening mm. in their life. Despite the breaking of that relationship in the previous chapter, mm. they're still going to refer to and have some type of relationship with the Lord.
2: Yeah. Because I think through all of this, they could have like throughout the story, they could have, like not continue that journey with with God. They could have like, well, he kicked us out. Like we screwed up. We kicked us out. That's like either bitter. I don't want to do it. Have anything to do with him, or you know, sort of just like, oh, I feel so ashamed. I don't want to sort of turn turn to him anymore. Um, but they still they still do like mm-hmm. with Eve, and then the um, as we sort of continue the presenting of gifts and stuff to the Lord, um, they're still in- interacting, which they. I don't know if if you were pissed about getting exiled, you probably you know I think it would be fine if you if you weren't too happy to continue that interaction.
0: So we see Eve have Abel and Cain. Abel is the keeper of sheep, and Cain is the worker of the ground. And when I was reading this, the first thing I thought of is when they take these gifts to God. Why does he prefer Abel's offering over Cain's?
2: Well, Abel gives this. It says like a generous. And he's, he's, Abel's giving generously where it's sort of saying that Cain presents some of his crops here. And so the equalness of the two, there's this imbalance I'm sort of getting. that There's this imbalance where Abel is sort of, it's implying that Abel is, you know, sort of giving almost everything or sort of like his best thing is giving mm. the most generous gift, the greatest gift where Cain is just sort of maybe doing the bare minimum that, that he has to, has to do. And so maybe the, that imbalance is why God is going, well, I like Abel, but Cain you sort of needed to do a bit better here. Yeah, absolutely. I think the
1: key word in this verse is firstborn. So Abel brings the firstborn of his flock, which is the best of the best, mm. whereas Cain just brought some of the fruit. And so... It's very much that Abel represents heartfelt worship here. He sacrifices in order to give to the Lord. Like, it's not just the sacrifice of bringing a fat offering. Like, he personally sacrifices some of his best flock. Whereas Cain seems to be more just like tokenism. He is just a token of what I have. Mm. Um, In Hebrews 11 verse 4, It says also that Abel offered his sacrifice in faith, whereas it seems Cain offered it in arrogance. And so Abel, again, is meant to represent that person who is bringing something before the Lord in true, genuine thanks and faith, whereas Cain sort of just has to and assumes by bringing just something he will get something back. Mm. It's very much that transactional type faith.
2: Mm. I wonder if that... um... Arrogance comes from well, he's the firstborn. He's mm. the firstborn, you know, so he's all powerful and mighty in sort of that cultural structure. And so I don't have to give the best here because of my status here. That might that might be it. I mean, we'll probably yeah, never maybe. know, really. Yeah, like true. we could we could never really like ask and be like, so why did you do it that way? <laughs>
0: Then we see Cain speak to his brother, my version says, in a field, and then Cain killed him. Is this out of pure jealousy, do you think?
1: Mm. Well, like, that's probably fair. Like, it's premeditated, right? Like mm. Cain invites him to go out into the field, so there's something really deliberate about this. And then he kills it. We got the first murder in scripture right here. Mm. Yeah, this is the quote unquote first murder, right? And we know from
2: verse six that Cain is very angry. Mm. Yeah, I mean, the Lord even asks him, "Why do you look so angry?" Yeah, literally, <laughs> it's like sort of poking the bear there. Like he's just going, like you know, God just said this isn't good enough, and then turns around and goes, "Why are you so angry?" Mm. And God warns him that sin is crouching at your door like a wild
1: animal, mm. like it's like a lion ready to devour you. And Cain ultimately lets sin win, and like a wild animal, he attacks and kills and devours his brother.
2: Mm. Mm. It's pretty extreme sort of like reaction in in regards to like if 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 you know your brother, like your my brother, like like if if we had if this in this family dynamic, if there was this spat that happened. It's pretty drastic to then all of a sudden want to murder your own sibling. Mm. Or or was it? I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how drastic it necessarily
1: yeah. is, but I like to think it's not a response I would ever go to. No. But I
2: like to think I grew up in a fairly healthy, dynamic family. <laughs> like- yeah. Let's maybe talk this out. <laughs> Rather, like, or you know, it's not even just like throwing punches; it's killing your brother, and it, it's almost sort of like quite devastating. Because I think of sort of like Adam and Eve, and and the, that also sort of thought process of like discovering that your brother is now like your son, your firstborn son's now a murderer, and everything sort of all those emotions surrounding that. But we've got we've got God now mm. upset and yep curses curses
1: him in the same way in the. Genesis three account from last week where God gives them a chance to repent. He does the same thing here. Like God goes, where is your brother? That's not because God doesn't know where Abel is. He's actually giving Cain a chance to mm. repent and come forward.
2: But Cain blatantly denies knowing anything. Mm. It, yeah. The, it has this feeling of like parallelness to, mm. to what happened in the garden, to what's, what's happening now of someone who was tempted by, by sin and through their own actions, has done this drastic, uh, uh, this drastic event has happened and now they're having to face the consequences Mm. and getting cursed again.
1: Yeah, yeah. He's excluded even further. Like he's Mm. not just kicked out of the garden like his parents were. He's then kicked out of that family unit and told that while Adam will struggle to produce crops on the ground, Cain's just going to fail, which is sort of why he has to adopt a nomadic lifestyle Mm. because he can no longer be a farmer, which was his entire profession. Yeah. What do we think the mark was that God then, out of grace, gives to Cain?
2: Yeah, it's interesting how like Cain then like was like my pun this punishment is too great for me to bear. It's like almost like you know backpedaling backpedaling here and wanting to take a step back, which is fair enough. I mean God's cursing you g- again, <laughs> <laughs> but was it like a physical mark or, or something? I mean that's where my 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 mind goes to is like it's something like physically on his body so that people were able to recognize it. And know.
1: Some commentators I read did suggest that Cain had some tattoo, which was literally a mark that protected him. Mm. I read another commentator who was trying to argue that the mark, he was a dog.
2: Why? What? Why a dog?
1: Oh, just like <laughs> this should be the beginning of human beings using dogs and a dog would protect him. And it's about this time frame in the Middle East that dogs started being around humans. And oh. they were, they were arguing hard that the mark of Cain was a
2: dog and it was not persuasive at all. But it was enjoyable reading That's interesting I mean there's no way that it says anything about like what the mark might be So to pull it out of almost thin air
1: Literally but I think your point there is The takeaway is it does actually say what the mark is Mm. But what the mark is is a sign of grace from God Yes Is Cain has been judged harshly and fairly for what he just did to his brother Abel But God has grace even on hardened sinners like Cain
2: Mm.
0: So we see in 17 Cain knew his wife If there was only the three of them, where did the wife come from? Is it his sister?
1: That has been a common interpretation of this passage, is that we know Adam and Eve had a whole bunch of other kids than the ones just named in Scripture. And so Cain eventually married his sister because that was the only source of other humans. But... I think we see evidence in this passage that there were other humans around apart from just Adam, Eve and their offspring. Mm. So, for instance, we have the fact that Cain gets a wife in 4.17 and it seems fairly quick. We also see Cain in verse 14 say, whoever finds me will kill me. Like, He's genuinely afraid that there are people out there who might Mm. kill him. And yet at this point in the story, there should only be three humans on the planet. And then the final thing is also in verse 17, Cain builds a city. And I don't think it's fair to call something a city unless you have a decent amount of humans around. Mm. Like you can't just wait for Adam and Eve to have 10 kids and then some of them go and join Cain rather than hanging
2: out with their parents and Mm. then call it a city. I mean, it's incredible foresight to be thinking I'm going to build this city i going to populate it with like everyone. It's like, you probably just start with yourself. If you are the only one wandering, like rather than wanting to build this entire city. Yeah. And so that's why
1: a lot of people read this story in the Bible and go, oh, here's our evidence that there are other human beings around apart from just Adam and Eve. Hmm which kind of goes back to the discussion we were having last episode about Adam and Eve being the representatives of humanity, potentially already a part of a larger human population. Yeah, which would make sense.
0: Yeah, when I was reading this section, it just kind of, to me, was the start of humanity really multiplying. Like you notice Mm. it picking up speed and more people, all the different names being added. But something that stood out was Enlamech took two wives.
1: Yeah, definitely, because we're meant to see humanity descending into worse and worse sin, and so mm. Lamech goes from the monogamy that God has established in chapters 1 and 2 of Genesis and already started down a dark path, and then as well as mm. seeing him kind of ruin the ideal of marriage, we also see his bloodlust. Like, he's like, I killed someone for hurting me, and i I'm gonna have vengeance seventy-seven times, which is just like a total disregard of justice at that point.
2: Is that what that sort of that part there is referring to is is the ven is vengeance So sort the of thing? Because it's referring back to Cain's punishment. Mm. But well is... it's actually referring back to Cain's grace or the grace uh, given to yeah, Cain. Yeah,
1: yeah. So God promises that he will protect Cain and if anyone does bad against him, he will repay that seven times. Mm. And Lamech takes this sign of grace And applies it very wrongly and says, I will have vengeance 77 Mm. times on anyone who even slightly injures me, I will murder them. Anyone who gives me a bad look, I will beat them to death. Like, Lamech is clearly a sign of society degrading into worse and worse sin.
0: Mm. I just wanted to know, so Lamech would have definitely known that having two wives was a sin, like not allowed not common? Like, would he have known that?
1: That's a good question. I guess in terms of the biblical narrative, the only example he would have had would have been the stories he heard about the fact that Adam and Eve were put together as a married couple, and that was the ideal. Now, we don't know what society had degraded to at that point. We don't know what the other human population, if it existed, was also already doing in a normal sense. Mm. But he's clearly going against God's ideals that were initiated at the very beginning.
2: Yeah, it'd be hard to it'd be hard to tell, right? Because we we yeah we just don't know what what else was happening during that time. We just we just get this sort of list of um, a family tree just happening.
0: And then in twenty five, it starts off by saying, "And Adam knew his wife again." Mm-hmm. What's that about? Like, why are they saying? Knew her again. Is there a reason?
1: Yeah, it's just saying that they again had sexual intercourse and again had another child, which oh, is
2: death. Right. <laughs> I think it's just it's reiterating that point of like humans are populating this earth mm. and are multiplying. Mm-hmm. I think it's putting this like big emphasis on it's not God creating from the ground this new person; it's a human creating another another human, mm. especially because before we had God doing all that. I think it's just really hammering it in every time. It's just sort of mentioning, mentioning it because it's it's mentioned three times now. Mm. Yeah, we get the birth of Seth. Yeah. If we if we're moving on on, on to that, we can. I uh, remember
1: being told a story by a friend who was in a trivia competition, and the trivia question was how many children of Adam and Eve were there. Mm. And he, as a good Christian, wrote three named ones: Cade, Abel, and Seth. <laughs> And then the trivia master marked him wrong, and he was, like, up there to this non-Christian trivia master with his Bible being like, no, no, Seth. Like, <laughs> no one knows about him, no one talks about him, but, like, look, look. <laughs> no. He is the other child that is named of Adam and Eve. We also know from Chapter 5 that they had many other sons and daughters, but Seth is the often
2: forgotten third child. Oh, even I was, remi- I, I was reminded of, of Seth just reading through it. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. Because I was, like, I was reading through Cain's lineage. Yep, his family line. His family line, and and going, oh, okay. So is the population just coming all from Cain because we don't have Abel anymore? Mm. Like, oh, okay, that's uh, oh, that's interesting. And then and then you get to the Seth part. And I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, okay, that makes more sense because it it was almost this uneasy feeling of like, are we all deriving from Cain? Like. <laughs> This this person that murdered were like, oh, I don't want to be derived from that. Like, Josh, I'm sure if we went
1: back into our family trees, it wouldn't take that long to fight a pretty awful person. I mean,
2: yeah, that's true. I mean, that's fair enough. <laughs> I mean, we're in Australia, weren't we? we? Are. All criminals from back in the day? Not all of us, but yes. Okay, whatever Mr. Free settler. No, 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 it's definitely not. I <laughs> I can tell you that the, the Lee family was... was um... Hardened criminals yeah. who stole a loaf of bread. I'm pretty sure off the top of my head it was fraud that we did. Oh, yeah, well done. (laughs) (laughs) White-collar crime, you know. (laughs) Much more respectable. Yeah.
0: At the end of 4, it says, at that time people began to call upon the name of the Lord. Mm. Why then and what's that about?
1: I think this is what we see as the beginning of the worship of Yahweh. Now, I was reading a few other articles that said that this, instead of being began to call on, a better translation is proclaim. This is the first time that people began to actually proclaim the name of the Lord began to talk about Yahweh as the one true God. And so this is real, the origins of our faith is from this time period, people started to know about and talk about and evangelize and worship Yahweh. And just before we move on from chapter four, I just want to bring up a few New Testament links that we see into chapter four. Mm -hmm. So the first is that Abel's blood cries out from the ground. And in Hebrews 12, 24, we see that Jesus's blood cries out, but instead of crying out for justice, Jesus's blood cries out for grace. Mm. And so as Jesus is killed, his blood also cries out like Abel's did, but it cries out grace. It cries out, save these people. And so... The author of Hebrews is really intentionally making a link back here and talking about the difference that Jesus' blood makes. We also have Jude 11 or 1 John 3.12 that talks about how we should all avoid the way of Cain. Mm. Um, I'll read 1 John 3.12 for us. Do not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. And so the New Testament, at several points, alludes back to the story of Cain and Abel Really setting them up as kind of the first follower of Jesus versus sorry the first follower of Yahweh versus the first follower of the evil one and uses them quite often in that distinction.
2: It's very sort of binary, very black and white mm. the sort of the sort of lesson you could take away of like just don't murder. <laughs> Yeah, that's the simple message. <laughs> that's, that's the simple. That's the simple sort of sort of message.
1: But the New Testament wants to set up a dichotomy. Yes, suggests that we, as Christians, follow in the lineage of Abel, who offered a righteous, faithful sacrifice, and we should not follow in the lineage of Cain, mm. who was jealous and murderous. Mm. And it's a helpful way to set up that distinction of good versus evil. Mm. Chapter 5.
0: I just got so excited when I saw the heading of this and just saw Noah's name because one of the only stories I know is Noah's Ark, so I get excited that it's coming.
1: (laughs) It is coming. It is not coming this episode, but literally next episode we'll Mm. finally get to Noah's Ark. I think the beginning of Chapter 5 begins exactly in the way that Josh was talking about before, Mm. which is, When God created mankind, he made them in the likeness of God. He created the male and female and blessed them. And he named them mankind when they were created. And then Adam created Seth in his own image, in his own likeness, Mm -hmm. in verse 3. And so you're right, God creates the first human pairing or Mm. creates Adam and Eve, and then they create offspring in their likeness, and those offspring create offspring in their likeness. Mm. So the image of God is in everyone, but they've now set up a system where humanity reproduces and grows.
0: And it also says, which I've highlighted, that Adam had lived 130 years. Mm. How?
1: (laughs) I mean, every age in this first genealogy in the Bible is huge. Adam's 930 years of life he only had his first son at 130, is like nothing compared to Methuselah, who then lives 969 years. Like they just keep growing to crazy ages. There is no obvious set answer to this. I have a few theories written down on the piece of paper in front of me, but any initial thoughts from
2: you, Morgan or Josh?
0: Maybe they had like no concept of time, so they just like guesstimated it.
2: (laughs) Yeah, nice. Yeah, that was like their time keeping and how they would mark down ages culturally different differs from how we, we do it. so That is one of the theories, which is that an ancient year doesn't equal a modern year. Mm.
1: So perhaps instead of this referring to years, maybe it referred to months or maybe it referred to seasons. Because mm. um, we know the Greeks often called a season a year, which is why some of the earliest Christians thought that this is what was going on here. Mm. I don't think it quite works because assuming they have consistency... In the way they mark the passage of time, even if it's different from us, it doesn't work. So let's say we pretend that maybe they thought that each year was instead a month. Well, that means that Enoch fathered Methuselah at age five, if you divide his age <laughs> by, by 12. But let's say we think that one year equals a season, for instance, then Noah fathered his sons at 125, which still seems insane. Mm, still old. And so there's, there's no number you can just divide these by to get numbers that are therefore realistic or normal. And so you could always just argue there's no consistency, whatever, but if there's there's a consistency in how they me- measured time. It, doesn't work that way for us like we just can't figure that out another theory is that the world before the flood was a dramatic different type of world mm. that allowed for longer human lifespans there's been a range of theories which you can't prove from some type of water vapor canopy above the earth which protected us from the sun's rays or a supernova that damaged the earth's original ozone layout like there's there's lots of fun scientific mm. theories that have no basis to them that could have accounted for a different world where humans Humanity could have lived longer. Another option is tribal domination. So when it says that Adam fathered Seth, it means that Adam's tribe exercised dominion for 130 years until the Seth tribe arrived and started exercising dominion. Mm. And so you can start to account for it that way. I think my favourite solution is uh, to say that they were using figurative numbers mm. that represented something. And so the reason I think this is probably the best way of doing it is um, in Mesopotamia, where this is based, they used a base 60 number system. So that's why we measure things in seconds, like measure seconds and minutes in base 60, because that's the number system they used, is they mm. based everything around the number 60. Mm-hmm. And so, when you look at the number system used in these ages, every age here is based on the number 60, or rather, it's based on the number five, because 60 months equals five years. So, everything is a multiple of five plus one or two sevens. And we already know that in a Jewish worldview, this number seven is very, very important. Mm. So, every age here is a multiple of five plus a seven or two. And so the odds of, like, a random distribution of people's ages all lining up in this multiplication of fives and sevens is very, very small. Mm. Like, the chance of that being just the way people happen to live their lives and die at that age is shockingly small. So I think the numbers are meant to represent something. Unfortunately,
2: what those numbers represent, I think, has been lost to time. Yeah. Could could we, could we also say that... And it's more referenced in chapter six, Mm. but sort of just to briefly touch on it, would it be more... Could we also say that the point is that these people are living long lives and it's giving more emphasis on the reset that's about to happen... As we get to chapter chapter 6, with it where, where it's specifically stated that they will live shorter lives. Mm. Yeah, because in chapter 6, when God says, I will
1: limit man's age to 120 years, that is an act of judgment, but also another act of grace because humanity had become so evil, he was limiting the amount of evil they could do in a lifetime. Mm. And so we're meant to see that the human lifespan is shortened as a measure of protecting everyone. It's interesting that you point out their long ages here as something to be seen in a different way. Because most commentators I read about chapter five here says that the emphasis is on death. So, yes, we read this and go, wow, Adam lived to 930 years old. That's insane. That's crazy. But every single person on this list ends with, and then he died. Mm. And as you keep reading, we get focused on the huge numbers and what that could possibly mean. But instead... We're meant to focus on the fact that death is a part of the human experience. Every single one of these people died, and so if we needed any evidence that the wages of sin is death, then mm. this is
2: our evidence. True, because it's like saying, well, they got to this great number in age and then still died. It's not like you know they they were out, like they got so far into into it, and you know, and they were still able to outrun it. It was like no, 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 still. Still, still died at at the end of, end of it. Like no matter what age, like you you get to, you still died. Mm. And because of the sin of Adam, death is a
1: part of the human experience. Mm. Anyway, I don't know if that run through of a few theories was at all helpful to anyone, but those are the best theories I could find to account for it. And unfortunately, it still doesn't give us an exact answer as to what is going on with the crazy ages we see here.
0: Yeah, just reading through like the whole of five, I was just like. Oh, there's another one. And another one was just, like, so confusing. (laughs) Like, trying to keep up with all of them and all the different names.
1: Mm, Yeah. And it's different from when we looked at the genealogy of Jesus in Matthew. Because at least when we read through Matthew, we had all those exciting moments of, oh, I know that Old Testament character. I know what they did. This is exciting. Oh, look, there's someone else I know. I know what they did. When you read from Adam to Noah... Like, you know Adam at the beginning of the list, you know Noah at the end, and everyone Mm. else in the middle, you know nothing about, because this is all we really know about them.
2: Yeah. Do you reckon anyone's named Cain these
1: days? (laughs) He's <laughs> not the best name. It's like you don't meet many
2: Judases nowadays. No.
1: One of those tainted names.
2: Yeah.
0: I, know a, Cain. I Do you know, know a Cain They're a good person. They're
2: a good person. <laughs> oh, that's good to hear. It just dawned on me. I'm like, oh, that's that, yeah, like you said, they like, it's one of those names in the Bible where you're like, I'll give it a second thought, maybe.
0: Mm.
2: A name
1: that I would consider is my mate Enoch down here.
2: Enoch.
0: Enoch walked with God. Yeah.
1: In verse 22, Enoch walked faithfully with God 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Enoch lived a total of 365 years. Enoch walked faithfully with God and then he was no more because God took him away.
2: Mm. What? And that could be easily just like brushed past. I mean, with this giant paragraphs of, of names and, and ages and everything, you could easily just be like, oh yeah, and God took him okay, next person, next person, next person. Yeah. It's the only one. Yeah. he does not have he died at the
1: end of his name. No. Everyone else does, but he walked with God. Now, walk is a biblical expression for fellowship and obedience. And so Enoch had a relationship with Yahweh and he walked faithfully in that relationship with Yahweh. And then probably similar to Elijah in Two Kings, God just took him straight to heaven. Mm. Like he didn't have to go through death. His life still ended, but he didn't have to go through the process of dying.
2: Mm. So is this sort of like then implying that everyone else didn't have this same
1: fellowship? Potentially. Mm. I don't know whether it wants to take the negative view of everyone else as much <laughs> as just hold up Enoch as a real positive example that there mm. were still faithful people around which sets up the expectation in chapter 6 that Noah was one of these faithful
2: people still around. Because, mm. yeah, like like you said, there's this real emphasis on God took him rather than he died. Mm. The only other name I want to bring up specifically
1: is Methuselah, and that's because the date given for his death is the exact year of the flood. So there's immense consistency going on here in the early
2: chapters of Genesis. Okay, so he was around... Because I, I just imagine it is them never there there's never this overlap that there was one person and then there was another person, and then there was another person and then there was another person. And so when we get to noah it's there's only Noah mm. no, but his father was still alive. his grandfather, which is Methuselah, was
1: still alive because mm. he's the oldest one on the list here at nine hundred and sixty nine years. But yeah, the year of his death is the
2: year of the flood. Mm. I've never thought of it that your parents and the, like their parents and their grandparents could still be around. I mean, isn't that your experience though? It, it is. That's why it's like, oh, of course. Like, yeah. uh, like, but yeah, I've just always thought like, it's like you had this person and then it was this person and there was no overlap between the two, which is not how it works, obviously.
0: I liked it. Um, Noah had a kid called Ham.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's, just... It's a side note.
1: <laughs> it's very funny. Yeah, we did the Book of Ruth at youth last year and uh, but Boaz has an ancestor called Salmon and that made the kids laugh <laughs> nonstop.
0: It's just like shem, ham, and japheth.
2: Yeah, your guess is as good as mine when it comes to that one. And I wonder if it it, it doesn't hold the same name as like back then as it does now. I'd go with almost definitely not. Yes, I would agree. <laughs> I don't think he was named after pigs. No. <laughs>
0: In um, verse 29, it says, this one shall bring us relief. Is there any meaning to that line?
1: Yeah. So that is the father of Noah, like prophesying over his son, saying, like, look at this system we're stuck in. Death reigns, sin reigns. Noah will be the one where something different happens.
0: Is that predicting the flood?
1: Yeah. Well, I think he's prophesying that there's something about Noah's life and actions that would bring a significant change
2: to the situation. Because at, at this point, everything's sort of going a bit downhill to what was originally intended mm. for God's plan. This, this um, beautiful, quote-unquote, perfect world, it's all sort of not panning out that way.
1: I also think it's interesting that, so we just said that Lamech is the one saying this. So there's two Lamechs. There's the Lamech in Cain's line, and there's the Lamech in Seth's line. Mm. And so the Cain Lamech, was the one taunting God. He was the one taunting the curse, saying, I will be avenged 77 times. Whereas the Lamech in Seth's line is the one going, bring comfort, Lord. Like, please let good things happen via the life of my son. Mm. And so while they have the same name, they're attitudes are, like, almost directly contrasted, which I think is a fair contrast to make given they have the same name. And we see how these two lines followed
2: very different paths. Mm. Do, we, do we know anything about Cain's line and what happens there, or is this sort of the end of the story? Well, if we go back to Chapter 4, we see
1: that Cain's line is really responsible for, like, metalwork and art and, like, they, they do a lot of great things. Which I think one of the lessons from that is that we can see that even the sinful will prosper. Mm. Like they are responsible for many of the great things we see in life, music, weapons, agriculture, cities. Mm. But potentially in a sinful, broken world, those are the only good things that they could come up with outside of Yahweh. Whereas the, the Seth line, we see that Yahweh is what they cling to and someone like Enoch can escape death
2: because mm. of it. And so we don't we don't get any anything more cuz we're sort of like we're following Seth's line so we are following. so we, we get to we get to Noah and then we you know follow that on or you know mm. th- throughout the, enti- the story. And theoretically Cain's entire line gets wiped out in the flood. Hmm, that's true. We wouldn't really we wouldn't really know too much about that. It's quite interesting that you know for for me anyway the Cain and Abel story is very prominent. It's a, it's a. For me, it's a well-known story of that Cain murdered Abel. But then rereading it, it's so short. Mm. It's, it's so just sort of brief. Yet it, it, f- f- for some reason, for me, it holds this significant weight. I, I don't know why it, it's so weighty to to me. Maybe it's just its connection between Adam and Eve and just being the, the very next story mm. there. Um, but it's, it's just sort of, yeah, it just sort of happens in, in one chapter and then we, we move on. I think it's so weighty because of the things that we
1: can learn from it.
2: Mm.
1: And so, for instance, we can learn that sacrifices should be offered from a heart of faith. It should be from the best that you have. Like that's a that's a foundational thing for Israel as they move forward into their sacrificial system. We learn that Israel actually has a responsibility for their brothers. Like when Cain says, am I my brother's keepers? An Israelite person reading that story goes, yes, like I am meant to be that. Mm. Um, We know that blood from someone murdered cries out from the land and cries out for vengeance. We know that punishment for guilt is something that will happen. Like God Mm. actively steps in and punishes. We know that life without God is dangerous It's a life without protection Mm. because soon as Cain is sent from God's presence, he knows he has no protection anymore. Mm. And we also learn, and this is really important for Israel's history, is that sometime the eldest is rejected in favour of the youngest. Mm. So normal societal custom is that the eldest gets everything, and yet as we read through these early stories in Genesis, God constantly turns that on its head. He chooses Abel, the second born. He'll choose Jacob, the second Mm -hmm. born. Like he just keeps choosing people who are not the eldest or the most logical choice. Yeah, yeah, Joseph. Yes. The, the list, conti- the list yeah, continues. Yeah. And so I think it's so heavy and weighty, this story, because of what we can learn and how it sets up Israel's belief system.
2: Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. The morals, the ethics, the lessons mm. from just a simple don't murder.
1: <laughs> yes, that's you also know, it- Actually, I didn't even mention that, did I? <laughs> yeah, no.
2: <laughs> we but- should learn from this story, do not murder. <laughs> But I think it's so easy to take away that and nothing else, Mm. which is why it's sort of just assumed knowledge that, you know, don't murder, let alone your own brother. Yeah. Just don't murder anyone. Let's hit Chapter 6. Who wants to kick us off?
0: My um, translation says this Chapter 6 is titled Increasing Corruption on Earth. And initially when I was reading it, I just found it interesting because God commanded humankind to multiply mm. and then now this is starting to happen. So it's obviously going a bit pear-shaped, <laughs> not what the plan was. <laughs> no. Yeah,
1: the beginning of Chapter 6 is really the prelude to the Flood. Mm. So we'll get to the Flood next episode. But I thought it was important to include this. So that we see why the flood is necessary, and yeah. this ex- this section really explains that humanity has become so corrupt that
2: drastic action is needed. Mm. Like your like your translation, Morgan. My one has the title "A World Gone Wrong." You know, it's it's not just one single place here. There's this emphasis at mm. the, that, like, you know, it's the world that's happening, mm. and why it's such a drastic action that God's about to take. Mm.
0: I also, when starting to read this, just wanted to ask what a Nephilim is.
2: Yeah, that is the (laughs) age-old question.
1: In fact, I think asking what a Nephilim is was the origins of this podcast, wasn't
2: it, Josh? It was. (laughs) I think it was... Lockie and I were, were chatting one one day and over a nice whiskey. Over, over a nice whiskey, there may have been whiskey involved. <laughs> <laughs> um, like a cool conversation is how they start, and we were just chatting about the nephilim and all these, like not only just the nephilim, but all these different sort of creatures or um, different beings as we saw in um, last episode with the um, cherubim. With the cherubim, and just like what are they? you know how how, do, how does that all fit in and. Um, if you've seen a certain movie that sort of will show the, the Nephilim, like, is, is that what they are? Why did they do it that way? There was mm-hmm. so many, so many questions, especially cause it's what this it's mentioned once, twice. Twice these... in scripture. Mm. Um, there's an easy answer to your question, Morgan, which is the
1: Nephilim are the mm. offspring of the sons of God and the daughters of humans. There, easy piece of cake, <laughs> which means we should talk about who the sons of God are. Yes. I think the daughters of human are pretty simple. They're just... Cuban women. Hmm. But the harder question is who are these
2: sons of God? I I mean, I've seen them as like sort of illustrated as these are angels and these are more fallen angels or angels that have decided, not necessarily fallen angels, but angels that have decided to come down to earth um, and sort of seek the riches there. Yeah. I've read a bunch of commentaries to try and answer this question.
1: Uh, I even read some um, Jewish commentaries, which was fun. And one of the Jewish commentaries was just saying that these are just kings engaged in polygamy. Mm. And, like, they are are kings, so they are godly in a sense. Like, sons of God, kings ruling over, but they are breaking God's moral commands about polygamy. I don't think that's particularly convincing. Mm. Um, The term son of God, sons of God, rather, appears in the Bible a few times, specifically in Job chapter 1 and 2, in reference to angels. Um, there's some, uh, some of the books that Catholics have in their Bible that Protestants do not explicitly refer to sons of God in this way. So if you're a Catholic listener, I think the only interpretation open to you actually is that these are angels mm. who came and procreated with women on earth mm. and then produced some of these super offspring, the Nephilim, um, in Hebrew, the word Nephilim means fallen ones. Other Greek translators of the Old Testament translated it as giants. And the only other time we see Nephilim in the Old Testament is Numbers 13, where we see that either A, the Nephilim survived the coming flood, or that more of them are born slash created after the flood.
0: I just read the word Nephilim and thought it was like a bad monster at the start, but that makes sense.
1: (laughs) Would you say a bad rock monster? (laughs) A bad rock. If anyone's seen the Noah movie,
2: I was referring to, I never actually said it's it. I've decided to name and shame <laughs> name <in> shame <laughs> They're big rock monsters. Look, it's an interesting way of interpretation, an interesting way of portraying it all. Like the whole idea of, well, they have, they've fallen to the earth. So they are now stuck on the earth. And so literally they are literally stuck on this earth as literal rock monsters. But I think your point though Morgan, of like saying that the they're that they're sort of these scary monsters might sort of like continue that sort of indication of like this world's like you know gone pear shaped has mm. gone awry of like we're not only having humans sort of doing whatever they want and sort of messing everything up and um creating this sort of chaos it's we now have you know the the sons of God also creating said chaos and and adding to this sort of. Bit of despair that's now sort of been created. Mm. The uh, book of Enoch, which is a non-biblical book,
1: actually says that the Nephilim are the origins of demons, which mm-hmm. is when the Nephilim were killed by the flood, their spirits didn't go anywhere. They just stayed on earth. Mm. And that is the origin of all demons. Now, I don't know how that fits with Numbers 13 that suggests that there were Nephilim or offspring of the Nephilim still around. Anyway, that is just an interesting thought. Mm. Um, I think this fits really well with kind of the worldview of the time, which is every other culture around ancient Israel would have had stories about gods and human beings who had intercourse and had semi-divine offspring that had superhuman strength and powers. But I think Mm. the encouragement God wants to give to his people, especially since this is potentially a story they were hearing as they're on the very edge of the promised lands about to fight these so-called Nephilim in numbers is that even these people were not immune to death. Mm. Like even these people who are sort of seen as the height of corruption in chapter six, this is the reason God decides to reset with the flood is even they are not immune to death. And so you could defeat them, you can overcome them. Mm. And that's important for Israel, who's about to invade the promised lands, to hear,
2: yeah, it's almost like you feel feel real sorry for for God because like his heart was broken, and he felt sorry for ever making them mm. and ever putting them on the earth. Like he's regretting his decision, yeah, of like and to to hear that you know this person that we worship, that we hold so divine, regret. The decision to even make us It's like Mm. Oh we screwed up Yeah, and when we see
1: that that idea of regret or some translations say God repented, Mm. this is not actually to suggest that God changed his mind. Instead, it's just suggesting how sorrowful God was. Mm. Like what he's seeing literally grieves him. It provokes a fierce emotional reaction in him. So sort of imagine someone who had just seen their son die. Mm. Like that is the type of emotional gut-wrenching response God is having to the evil that he now sees his creatures doing. Mm. I also think it's worth pointing out that the NIV, NIV here says, my spirit will not contend with human beings forever. But potentially a slightly better translation is, my spirit will not shield humans forever. And so there's a sense where God has been protecting humanity from his own rage because of the evil they've been doing. And he's decided here at the beginning of chapter six that he will not shield them
2: forever, mm-hmm. which is why this is the prelude to the flood. His wrath will come. Mm. And it's sort of like changing like the, the age here. Saying so that they will no longer live longer because he doesn't want them to be, not that they're immortal because as we saw before, they're not, they died, but not so, not so immortal in the sense of like living so long, of wanting to shorten that period, creating them almost more mortal than mm. they, they already are. Which again is a judgment against evil because mm.
1: if you restrict the human lifespan you minimise the evil they can commit. And while we as humans obviously hopefully do good things as well, it seems like the inclination of our hearts is evil primarily. Mm. And so the evil we do over a long period of time will always outmatch
2: the good we do. Yeah. I mean, if you knew that you could live to 900, well, I've got 100 years to do this. I've got another 100 years to do that. Like, you know, <laughs> yep. you've, you've there's, more, there's more choice. There's more wiggle room. But with our lifespans at the moment, we have this emphasis on on different aspects of it and, and wanting to get things done and uh like, you know, whatever you decide to do in, in, in life. But with uh comparing it to nine hundred to our current lifespan, it's very much like we've not that we've got one shot, but we, we have more intention intentionality about what we do in life rather than nine hundred where I, I could I could do a lot of things in nine hundred years. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. And so we end our reading in a very sad
1: place, with the world incredibly wicked. But as always in Genesis, every time there is judgment or sadness or sin, there's always a moment of grace and hope. And that's what we read in verse eight. Mm. But Noah found favour in the eyes of the Lord, and that is our advertisement for next episode. That is Noah and the flood. <laughs>
2: yeah, I've got. A, I mean, I've got a question about Noah, but I'm like, oh, I should probably save it. <laughs> If you ask question, I'll just say no next time. <laughs> I don't know whether I might find it, but it begs the question, but Noah found favour in the Lord. Mm. That's what my one says. So we're saying, but Noah found. So does that almost imply that Noah might not have had that favour before or Noah always did? I think verse 9 answers your question which is the first verse we'll read next episode yeah <laughs> so it's are sort of you know coming up to that wrap up point and we're sort of just reflecting over what we've just read and what we've we've just discussed and sort of thinking about like you know what am i taking away from from all this and again it's for me it's god's grace in this all mm. um especially because for me and and growing up this this Sort of passage, the story of Cain and Abel has been sort of very black and white, um, and as we sort of said, you know, you can just easily just read it as like, don't murder, otherwise you're going to be cursed by by God, and it's uh, it's it's a bad thing thing to do. But what stood out for me, sort of reading reading it through, was God still giving Cain grace despite mm. his heinous acts, despite the events that trans- transpired. God still cursed him. There was still a punishment for your actions. It's not like Cain got away scot free, but even in give it like even though there was a curse given and he was punished, God still gave him grace as as well and for me, it's just like just taking away that point of like you know you if if I was you know one one day one day a father even if I had to maybe sort of punish my kids or, or something like that, it was still giving grace in it as well, mm. still still be able to give grace as well as sort of hold someone accountable. Mm. That's my I takeaway. I have the
1: exact opposite takeaway, ah. which is, as I read these chapters, I see humanity's descent into sinfulness. Mm. Like it's it's just a spiral and it gets worse and worse. And spoiler alert, even post-flood, it keeps spiraling. And that's what these opening chapters are telling me and informing me about is we're meant to see how hopeless it is until God initiates his plan. Mm. And so I'm getting the vibe that the text is trying to convey, which is, oh, things are bad. I wonder how God is going to fix it all.
2: Mm.
0: Mine was exactly the same as Josh's with the grace.
1: <laughs> <laughs> nice. I love the two positive attitudes here. <laughs>
0: Yeah, just the grace from God after sin mm. is still there, mm. and I think we're going to start seeing grace more often, I think. I'm not sure.
2: Mm. Mm. No, definitely.
0: And also how much has happened so early in Genesis?
2: Yes. Yeah, no a lot has.
0: We're only up to not even all the way through 6, and there's just so much has happened. There's a lot a lot happening, a lot going
2: on. There is. And there's a lot to come too, like. Yeah. It's just going to ramp mm. up from here, but yeah. Yeah, the early chapters of Genesis cover thousands of
1: years so quickly. Mm. Thankfully, once we hit Genesis 12, we'll slow down dramatically and just focus on one person. But, mm. yeah, lots and lots going on.
0: Yeah, I think once it's one person, it'll be a lot easier to follow with not all the names, numbers, years. It might be a bit easier to like, grasp because at the moment it's like back and forwards. like who's this, who's that related to.
2: Yeah, <laughs> fair. So as we get to the end, don't forget to follow us on our social medias, uh, Facebook, Instagram, and uh, don't forget that uh, we have now a Patreon. You've probably seen a couple of social media posts uh, that we have a Patreon, and Ness mentioned it in other episodes, but we now have a Patreon. Um, go over to the link tree to sort of get every, uh, all the information about that. It's just a way to, to be able to support us and to continue uh, the great efforts that we're being able to to do and... You're also able to get earlier access to the episodes, but also we uh, release an extended cut uh, to to everyone there. But also we're able to a- ask questions and answer and answer any polls and everything there. So a bit more interaction. So if you want to support us, head over to Patreon and ch- and check it out. So for those listening to to this, this podcast is also up on YouTube. So if you want to see our lovely faces, you can go watch us on YouTube. Or if you're watching us on YouTube and you just want to, to listen to us, you can listen to uh, our podcast wherever you consume podcasts. Um, don't forget to like, subscribe, leave a comment, uh, send send us some send us a message. We'd love to continue to know what your thoughts are to sort of. Get, get what you got out of out of this. And if you've got any questions that come up, we just really want to sort of try and answer those questions to the, to the best of our ability. Morgan, can I get you to close in prayer for us?
0: God, thank you for the grace that you give us every day, even now. Thank you that we can sit and learn through your word, ask questions and dive deeper into what we're reading. I pray that everyone has a great week ahead and learn something. And thank you that we could do this together.
2: Amen. Amen. Okay. Lockheed Morgan, thank you for joining us and thank you everyone for listening and watching and we will see everyone next week for the flood. Mm, bye. Bye.
0: Bye. A Mustard Seed Creative Production.